Hi, Rachel. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing all right. I've just been reading some of the feedback we had on last week with Gideon Lev and Julie Gray. And it's been just a delight to hear how much people enjoyed um, learning about them and their relationship, mm. as well as his history. I think people forget that with Holocaust survivors, it's not just all about what they do to educate us, but they're an actual person who has relationships and who goes out to cafes and has all kinds of other things in their life, tap dancing, whatever. So that was really lovely to hear. It's really lovely. Actually, I had someone who said they hadn't even realised they were together. They just thought we had found two guests that happened to really complement each other well and really nicely and I think that's a real testament to them as guests on the show that they both had interesting stories to tell just chatting to us and with each other but no we've had lots of really really nice feedback I know they've shared it on their social media and TikTok and things like that as well so it's nice to see who might also be tuning in who might not normally so with all that in mind Rachel how Jewish has your week been? Well I learned a new interesting expression this week which is very exciting to me as some of you will know, in our podcast, we sometimes do a little section called Duolingo, which is about people's interesting Jewish, Hebrew or Yiddish expressions. And this weekend, my mum and dad came to stay for Shabbat. And my mum came out with an expression at the dining table that we'd never heard before. What did she say? She described something as a schwindelhetter. Schwindelhetter. Yes. Let's see if I can break that down and see if I can work out what it means. A schwindelhetter. Sounds to me like somebody who has conned you out of your rightful hat. <laughs> You're sort of halfway there. Oh, because, okay. So a heta is a rabbinical dispensation for something. So say, for example, I've got medical issues. And so I'm not allowed to fast on Yom Kippur. And I had to get a rabbinical dispensation to formally allow that to be the case. I thought you were going to say you had to get somebody else to fast for you. Well, like you would go onto the street and hint at somebody who shouldn't be eating for the next 24 four hours well <laughs> that would be a schwindelhetter <laughs> because schwindel is like a swindle like a con so a schwindelhetter is where somebody's kind of twisted around what's allowed for their own benefit so the heta that you could get somebody to do something for you on Shabbat if you pre-arrange it and you're paying them for the work they do the rest of the week but they're coming as a favour or for their own convenience to do it on a Friday night is one thing and then standing in the street saying oh my living room is so dark if only someone could come in and see how dark it was and think of an amazing solution that could be a schwindelhetter. So a schwindelhetter is somebody that bypasses the rules in order to get what they want. A Schwindelhetter isn't a person, it's the permission the to do something, it's the act of doing something that you can oh. argue is legitimately within the context of Jewish law, but you've twisted yourself up like a pretzel to facilitate it. Right, okay. So you've bent all the parameters as far as they can possibly go, and you, you've gone kind of outside the spirit of the rule, but you've stayed maybe within the absolute letter of it. Does that make sense? It does make sense, and actually it's not unique to Yiddish. We have a word like that in English as well. We call them Tories. <laughs> Yeah, so you're allowed to have work people in your garden for work-related purposes, even if there's food and drink there. That, my friends, is a schwindelhetter. There we are. Prime Minister Schwindelhetter. There's a uh, like a spitting image character desperately waiting to be made. <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> nice. I like that. Schwindelhetter. Yeah, it's a good word. And I feel like we've used it in this household about 9,000 times since Saturday morning where it first cropped up. 
What about you, Philip? What's the most Jewish thing that's happened to you recently? We are getting ready for the Edinburgh Festival. Hopefully it's going ahead as planned this year. Last year it went ahead on a smaller scale. But uh, in the last few years, we didn't do it obviously over lockdown and we didn't take this show last year. But Aaron Levine, another Jewish comedian, and myself have for the last few years taken a Jewish compilation show called Jewarama, where we have an hour show and we introduce a selection of the finest available Jewish comedians at the Fringe. And they all do about five minutes and then they get to plug their show and hopefully people come and see their show and we we registered for that this week so we'll be back at the edinburgh festival 515 at whistle binkies from the 6th to the 28th of august and it's exciting because it's again a sign that life is sort of coming back to normal we're going back up to the fringe i'll be there for two weeks not for the whole run with my show schools at comedy club but it was really nice to sit and talk jewish comedy and i love jewish actually i've been in it lots of times over the years and it always amazes me that in the afternoon at the Edinburgh Festival, it's so popular. This kind of mm. lineup of Jews doing Jew stuff in a normal pub, like it's a big room in a pub, and it's always rammed with people and not all Jews. There's usually like a handful of often American Jews, that's what I found near the front, and then a couple of English Jews here and there. And the rest of it is non Jewish people just curious and ready for a good laugh with the Jews. Pretty much, yes. I would say you're absolutely right. It's predominantly non Jews. Jew curious, I think we can call them, but always very friendly. I think we've only once or twice had issues with individuals, but generally it's been very friendly audiences. It's not a Jewish show. It's not that we're there going, oi, my my mother-in-law, oi, Saul said this to Abe. (laughs) Think for yourself, that's my set, word for word. It just happens to be a platform for Jewish performers. We always have at least one non-Jewish act on there, partly because I like to joke that you know, as Jews, we control the media. We should give these guys a chance. But it's a nice balance to have as well, because there's the Jewish religion and then there's Jewish, which is like the neuroses that we have and worrying about family life or guilt. And there are loads of comedians that share that. So if we can find non-Jewish comedians who can give a sense of how a bit like when we ask people how Jewish is your week been it doesn't have to be oh I went to shul this week I went to synagogue I did that it could just be something that happened and it was interpreted in such a way that feels a bit Jewish this week we put a call out to comedians to say are you Jewish are you going to be at the fringe please do get in touch and let us know and we've had a few responses which is great uh you yourself have also applied which is uh I'm, I'm here to let you know you've not been successful no um <laughs> but what always fascinates me is the people you don't realize that are jewish i've had a couple of applications in from acts who will remain nameless but i'm like oh i didn't know you were jewish and i guess with the fringe you don't have to be solidly whatever the niche is so there's an irish show that they do an irish compilation show and on the first week everyone on the lineup is Irish they've got full-on Irish citizenship or they've spent their life there by the last week they're so desperate for acts they're literally walking down the street seeing someone drinking a pint of Guinness and go ah you'll do (laughs) so with Jewish comedy we we try and make it as that everyone's Jewish but I'm really surprised at some of the people that have turned up going yep I'm part of the tribe yeah I had an incident recently which I think I told you about where a comedy promoter put on one of the professional comedians pages they were looking for a Jewish act for something for Purim and they put various bits of information about it and I replied to them and I totally juice-blamed why what they'd put you know maybe the 
money needed to be a little bit different and maybe what they're looking for needs to be a little bit different because of this because of that and I put all these reasons and then they replied to me well actually I am Jewish I grew up in quite a religious family I knew all that but I wouldn't have known that because it's never come up I've never seen them do material about Jewishness or whatever so you don't always know and then we had this week whenever there's anybody Jewish anything happens to anybody Jewish who's a celebrity now somebody mentions or tags us on Twitter or tells us oh you should get them on your show whatever but this week I was tagged because of June Brown who played Doc Cotton at EastEnders because she passed away and then people were sending me links to the Jewish Chronicle article that said her maternal line was Sephardi, Algerian Sephardi. Oh, I didn't know that. So June Brown. Yeah, which is interesting to me because her best friend in the soap opera EastEnders was Dr. Legg, who was the Jewish character and also Jewish in real life, the guy who played him. Leonard Fenton. Leonard Fenton, well remembered. Yes. So I, I don't know, June Brown was Jewish, so... <laughs> It was just too late to tell us. Like, I think we should put a shout out to people saying, if there's a celebrity who you find out is Jewish while they're alive, drop us a line. I think we have to accept, not everyone wants to be outed as Jewish, but let's have like a six month uh, amnesty, <laughs> amnesty on, you can you can tell us you're Jewish, no judgment. <laughs> All right, well, we didn't have June Brown on the show, but we do have a very fun show for you this week. This was one of the types of shows where we record it a little while ago. We sit down to edit it and go through it and we're reminded how much we laughed during it it's basically four comedians chatting and it's a lot of fun yeah it's Carrie Marks who we both know quite well and Rose Johnson who I've become friends with over the last couple of years and it was just a dream of a chat really and even when we were sitting to edit it I just kept laughing out loud. At one point, I was editing a bit of it and I laughed so loudly that my husband Mark came running in to check I was okay. Well, hopefully you'll have as much fun listening to it as we did recording it and editing it. So sit back and enjoy the show. Hello, I'm Philip Simon. And I'm Rachel Krieger. We are two Jewish comedians. I'm orthodox, so on hearing that recently deceased EastEnders actress June Brown was Jewish, I wondered if she had someone to say Kaddish for her. And I'm Reform, so on hearing that recently deceased EastEnders actress June Brown was Jewish, I wondered why we didn't get her on here while she was still alive. This show is the audio equivalent of your favourite TV soap. It's full of drama, with unbelievable stories, and you'll never guess who the characters are secretly related to. In each episode, we chat to two of our favourite Jews about their lives and experiences growing up and how much Jewishness plays a part. Are they Doc Cotton or Johnny Rotten? Welcome to Jew Talking to Me! Let's introduce our guests. Our first is a comedian who's appeared in shows including Late Night Mash, Absolutely Fabulous and Lee and Dean, and writes for series including Have I Got News For You, Hypothetical, and lots of shows on CBeebies. It's Rose Johnson. Hi! Hello, welcome to the show. Our next guest is the writer and star of BBC Radio 4's Intensive Carey, twice winner of Best International Show at the New Zealand Comedy Festival and Leicester Comedy Festival Best Show nominee, it's Carey Mark. I, I always hesitate when someone introduces me because I never know what CV you've taken that off. I took it off your website. If there's a problem on there, that's on you. That's giving me a reminder that I should look at my website at some point. When, when a compere asks me uh, what I want said to introduce me, I normally say nothing because I don't like to live up to anything. 
<laughs> I don't want to hear responsibility. Yeah. I was recently introduced as a lovely little lady at a gig. A lovely little lady. I'd have come on and been like, I am none of those three things. I normally get introduced as a real man. <laughs> okay, that's not true. I aspire okay. to that. I've done lots of other things as well, by the way. But thank you. Update your website. I just want to point out to people listening to this: there is a bigger list, you know. But I'm kind of <laughs> kind of modest, really. Straight in with a complaint there. <laughs> Regular listeners to the podcast will know that we always like to find out how our guests describe their Jewish background. You already know that I grew up in an Orthodox family, Philip grew up in a Reform one, but what kind of a Jewish family did you grow up in and what kind of a Jew are you today? Kerry? I'm an ethnic Jew fully, as in both parents are Jewish. I am an atheist, as in not religious at all, and I'm a devout atheist. I'm an Orthodox atheist, (laughs) unquestionably. I was raised Jewish in the sense quite liberal upbringing. So we went to synagogue and stuff and high holy days and, you know, Sabbath meals and so on. Our rabbi was Rabbi Clifford Cohen. Would that name ring any bells to you? Sounds Jewish. Jewish. Is it the rabbi bit? (laughs) (laughs) Rabbi makes makes so many names sound more Jewish. He was the singing rabbi for a while. He was on Pebble Mill and a load of other programs. He would write little songs and stuff. Oh, wow. I thought he was great when I was growing up because he was funny and the services always had some humour in it. But there were people... People didn't like him being funny. I've been trying to remember what happened because he got in trouble for something. I asked my sister recently, what was it? And apparently the story is that a joke he told during a bat mitzvah once. I'll tell you what it was and then you can tell me whether you think this was really offensive or not. It kind of can come (laughs) under the Me Too thing nowadays, but maybe not. Um, So it was uh, a bat mitzvah girl who was coming up onto uh, stage to read her piece and she tripped over and he apparently said, one drink and she's anybody's. He's got a big laugh off the congregation and apparently had one complaint but that then became more serious all i'm saying is look at jimmy carr you got to be careful if it get it might get a laugh in the room it wasn't televised rose (laughs) (laughs) jimmy carr's joke was deliberate that was like he he thought about it this is just someone also if it was like jimmy carr it would have been one person complaining who was in the room and fifty thousand people complaining who heard about it (laughs) yeah 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 and that might now actually happen but like 20 years later he's gonna get the backlash now that you've said on this podcast I think it's funny. I think it like clearly we know that she's just a child and that he's playing something ridiculous. But anyway, that's what I know happened. But yeah, he was he was the singing rabbi and, and had a little bit of popularity for a while and a bit of fame. So that was all kind of cool. Now, apart from that, I describe myself as uh, also a loyalty Jew in that I can often get brought into the Jewishness a bit more by some of the animosity towards Jewish people that you kind of feel that whilst I, ha- I don't live a particularly Jewishy life, whilst it's not a big part of my, I guess, my identity, it, it is in the sense that when people are hammering on Jews, I then feel like I can't step out of this, then you have to step on go, you know, I think I would have been one of the ones when the Nazis were coming, if they, they didn't identify me as a Jew, I would have jumped out and gone, hey, me too, grab yeah. me, because I would have felt like I'm letting down everyone else. Rose, what about you? I am, yeah, predominantly a clueless Jew because my Jewish connection is that my great-grandmother was Jewish and my great-grandfather converted to marry her and they had my grandmother. But then my great-grandmother died when my grandmother was very small. And I think my great-grandfather was like, okay, well, I was kind of only really doing it for you, so I'll be Christian again now. So then the kind of Jewish connection was lost. So I didn't grow up with any you know older Jewish relatives or any kind of observance or knowledge of Jewish customs but or sort of similar to Kerry that resonated with me when you said when people kind of yeah hate on Jews or make a casual comment I feel this weird feeling of like 
am I allowed to be offended? Because I, do you right. know, like I don't identify with it in a religious sense, but I am Jewish. And interestingly, my mum now is because it was my grandmother's mother, basically, and she didn't know yeah. her. She's, she'd never even been to see her grave or anything. And now my mum has really, in the last few years, started to really embrace her Jewishness and has started to observe the festivals and observe the Sabbath and is doing things with my grandmother like you know yeah taking going to the the Jewish cemetery to visit her mum's grave and my mum is making connections with very distant Jewish relatives she's emailing a lot of people she's firing out those emails she's been on ancestry.com was there a reason for that was there something that happened that made her want to explore the past more do you know I don't know I think maybe she just got to the point in life where she just or maybe my grandmother was starting to become more curious about it and I think my grand grandfather was a great genealogist and had traced back quite far and I think my mum started to become interested in that as well but yeah my mum's really funny she keeps getting really furious when she's like I mean I've emailed our 15th cousin he's not replied as if who's this mad woman in Devon who's like we're related and I'm having this spiritual rebirth and he's like I don't give a I'm just, you know, but um, possibly I'd add to that maybe slightly a lost Jew. Like, I feel like there is this part of my identity that is in living memory that I don't know. And I don't mm. have a connection. I want to know. I want to kind of understand that and, and have those cultural touch points. Well, that's a good thing because you weren't expecting this, but we've got your <laughs> cousin. Is it Carrie? <laughs> no. Imagine if it was. I mean, I wish we'd thought this through. That would be the best six degrees of Conti Bacon if it was Carrie. What Mark. a surprise reunion oh, yeah. this turned out to be. Well, also, yeah, the, the, the... Like you're publicly coming out as Jewish, Rose, with, by being on our podcast. You know who run the media? You're going to be like destined for massive success. I know. I can't wait, frankly. I'm, to be honest, I'm shocked that it's taken this long, but I'm still waiting for that call. But yeah. I'll yeah, be yeah. honest, Rose, it's tiring. Running the world is tiring. It's exhausting <laughs> for us Jews, but, you know, we'd really like you to help out because it's a lot of work. Yeah, I'm good at um, micromanagement, so I think, I'll, I think I'll thrive. There's a lot of meetings. Someone takes minutes. Four rabbis sit round and interpret those minutes. It gets very comfortable. <laughs> One sings them and then, you know, gets chucked out for a slightly inappropriate joke. Yeah. I, had a, I had a friend of mine, a little, well, I say friend, but another person I know recently who was doing the uh, the Jews run the world thing. And I said that it was nonsense. And he said, how would you know? <laughs> and I was like, because we all know each other. <laughs> because we all know each other because we all talk a lot and because Jews can't keep a secret that's, that's the weirdest part about it is if Jews joined a, a conspiracy meeting they'd be walking around going hey guess what I've been up to <laughs> having a conspiracy do you want to hear all about it you, you, you hear know everything. what I think is the is the modern equivalent of that is that I'm in different WhatsApp groups actually with everybody in this conversation and with each person I've definitely had side chats about stuff in that group yes I'm a big fan of a side chat but the adrenaline though of suddenly being like have I put it in the main yeah. chat I have to like yeah, yeah, the yeah, chat. Yeah. weirdly Rose and I are actually doing a side podcast right now <laughs> <laughs> about this very episode Rose have you decided to take on any like Jewish uh, activities or anything yourself or are you still just exploring the vast world that's out there yeah I'd say I think that I have aspects of my personality that just are Jewish you did like, a great shrug I've, before I've got a friend called Carla who's Jewish and she said that when she first met me within five minutes she thought to herself I bet she's Jewish it's like, the horns so <laughs> yeah, yeah. And all, all of the money that I have yeah, no. 
<laughs> but I'm really interested. I haven't, I guess, because my mum is not where I am. She's down in Devon. So I haven't started kind of doing it. But actually, Carla was saying, my friend, she was saying she wants to take me to synagogue. And I want to learn all about it, basically. But I'd say mainly food-based things like, is the things that I'm getting involved with. Very sensible. That's stuff that's, yeah, that's where I've started. For me, everything always starts with the food. So, yeah, I've really got chicken soup. Now, <laughs> oh, we'll oh, save oh, that for good. when we talk about food that in a little like a bit. challenge. I love chicken soup. <laughs> of course, you'll know when you're really feeling Jewish because someone will say the name of a friend like Carla and you'll go I know a Carla maybe this is the same Carla <laughs> yeah and, uh, and it will be and you know you're Jewish yeah <laughs> it's also funny that when Jews point out another Jew and my grandparents were good at that they're very good at Jew spotting which I think only Jews are good at Jew spotting yeah they've the got Jews are you know their, yeah. their favourite hobby was was to sit around the park and go that's a Jew <laughs> that's a Jew <laughs> I mean, historically, that hasn't always worked in our favour. Yeah, no, yeah. it hasn't, no, but... <laughs> We are off to a flying start. It sounds like things are going pretty well, but we do always like to check in and ask, what's the matter, bubbler? So, uh, Rose, what's going on with you at the moment? What's up? Well, I would say that question, normally the answer is just everything all the time. Um, <laughs> I am je suis that Jewish woman. I have a very cynical, tragic demeanour just generally. I will find the worst in any any given situation. You can find, I'll be able to find something terrible about it. But specifically at the moment, I would say it's just not getting my act together you know like this room that I'm in is my office we moved into this flat over a year ago I've strategically placed the screen so you can't see the absolute abject chaos that remains <laughs> on the move but there's still boxes and boxes of stuff that isn't unpacked and this is where I work and it's like every day I think sort it out and I don't so it's, I'd say the thing that's the matter is just my own inaction and constantly having this to-do list of things that I, I know would make my life better, but I don't do. I feel you so much in that because, as Philip knows, I've recently started working with a business coach to try and make me a bit more organised. But it's not, I can't restrict it to business because it's like the chaos of everything. And um, she's another Jewish mother, so it's also a bit like I want to give her advice as well at the same time. So how successful? it will be we'll wait and see plus you did miss your first session because you slept in or something so Incredible. i didn't sleep in it was because my kids timetable changed at school, which happens eight <laughs> times a week but, but as soon way, as you, one thing you changes your first like... organizational session <laughs> yes okay well i have a lot of diagnosed and undiagnosed issues lateness <laughs> Kerry, how about you? What's the matter, Bubbler? Well, I relate to all of that. I'm really good at procrastinating nowadays. I was always fairly good, but I've, I've improved. I can procrastinate with procrastination itself. I can put off a to-do list for a week. Um, <laughs> and uh, the thing about to-do lists is you can put them in a drawer for 10 years. And when they come out, when you open the drawer, nothing you're doing. So <laughs> I think that's always a good rule. I've got to move home. I think that's really bothering me because uh, oh. whenever that happens, moving home is the single worst thing that can ever happen in life. Uh, you oh find my God, moving. I completely agree. I constantly yeah, totally. say this and everyone's like, there's far worse things. And I'm like, no, it's the worst no, there's thing. Not. No, no, no. It's the single worst thing that can ever happen. You end up living out of box. No matter how carefully you try and do it, you start off by packing things. And after a while you go, that fits in there. This will do here. And you never really, there's things you don't see for years after you've moved. So yeah, it's, it's a pain in the backside. But also working out where to go to next. But anyway, that's like the bigger stuff. If I were to say what's bothering me on the smaller scale, it's, I think I'm constantly niggled and probably more than 
they used to be by illogical behavior. So it could be mm-hmm. a thing like um, in the local park, they have a little hut where they sell ice cream and they've got really good ice creams. But there's a thing the woman does when she gives you an ice cream. And it's the same as when you go into a kebab shop often. And it makes no sense to me is she'll hand you the ice cream, which is often very well topped up and then take the money. Now you've, you've got one hand free. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you hand over your note or your card. And then she takes the money and you take it back and you can't get it back into your bag or in your wallet and put it into the slot. So you just have to put it all anywhere you can do for now. So I try and give her the money before she gives me the ice cream, but she won't have it. <laughs> she's like, she's so set in her ways that she has to do the money after she's given you the ice cream. And I think she gets off on the idea you've only got one hand free. But little things like that will wind me up. That was such little... a specific reference to the kebab shop. I thought you were going to say that she offers you garlic sauce to go, <laughs> to go on top and yeah salad illogical behavior really winds me up because i just like people who just stop you know when they're walking along a busy street and they just suddenly stand still yep. for a moment mm-hmm. and particularly when it's on a saturday and it's, it's a busy shopping street they can see this pe- they can see there's people coming towards them in droves either side of them going in all directions they must know when they suddenly stop there's someone suddenly stopping behind them it, and you can't get around them as well at the top of an escalator when they've just got off the escalator they stop and you're like are you joking yes. there's a button back here <laughs> you, you can't yeah <laughs> I saw recently a large family do exactly that at the bottom of an escalator so that everyone was piling into them <laughs> and they still didn't move. And then eventually someone went, hey, and, and they turned around, they gave them such a look. Like, how dare you expect us to move away from the end of the escalator? Yeah, I but think that's a sign you're a true Londoner, isn't it? When you start getting yeah. annoyed, when you go from being the person who's annoying everybody yeah. on the tube to being annoyed with everybody on the tube, you have no time for anybody. <laughs> What could be more Jewish than interrupting our own show to remind you that back episodes of the podcast are available on all of the usual platforms, as well as our website, jewtalkingtome.com. And as well as catching up on things you've missed, why not be the first in line to hear all future episodes by subscribing to our Patreon? For just a small monthly donation, you'll get exclusive access to free gifts, bonus footage, live events, and much, much more. This is your chance to support the podcast in return for which we'll keep doing what we've been doing, as well as putting out extra content just for you to find out more just go to patreon.com forward slash you talking without the g go on it's what your mother would want and now back to the show I'd like your yes. take on this, right? I've been married for a really, really long time and I adore my husband as everyone who's met us will definitely testify to. Um, You're about to say something really we mean. Were... <laughs> no, not at all. But if we were on, I can't remember what it's called. There used to be like a TV show and uh, the couple was split up in, and one had to guess what the other one would say about them. Mr. And Mrs. Categories. What's the thing that annoys me the most is that he puts on his trousers when he gets dressed, like puts his trousers, does them up, then puts his top on, like, if he's getting dressed, let's say he's put on a suit for a work thing, he'll then he'll put his shirt on. Then I have to, like, undo his trousers again to tuck in his shirt. And the fact that he doesn't put his shirt on first yeah. <laughs> annoys me. I can't even tell you. Like, he's ultimately very perfect in virtually every other way. But that one, I mean, nearly 30 <laughs> years, that's been making me annoyed every morning. Yeah. Yeah. About this? yeah, of course I've spoken to him about it. I, every what time I say? see him what do it, I say, why are you doing that? You know, it's like, it's. I said it's like putting on your shoe... And then taking off to put your sock on. He doesn't agree with me. He just says that's how My- he gets dressed. I think he thinks I'm making a fuss out about something really small. Would it help yeah. if you to talk to him? Yeah. <laughs> My husband dries the sink out after use. So he'll okay. use the sink and then use a cloth to dry it out. And that similarly just absolutely twists me because I'm like, if anywhere is allowed to be wet, surely, surely the sink... <laughs> 
please like this is crazy but he's just and I, I just have to be like okay when I've used the sink he'll come and dry it out after me and I just have to be fine with that because I'm not going to start doing it but yeah. yeah he actually comes into the bathroom after you've used the sink it's not just when he's used it whenever the sink has been used all right that's weird Thank I've you. never, I've never <laughs> thought a dry sink is the important part of a house. You should um, <laughs> definitely stand your ground on that one. I think. I imagine if you were ever on couples come dine with me, and they're in the taxi on the way back, and they'll be like, "But the sink was dry." Twenty points. <laughs> the sinks in the house were so dry, couldn't fault them. Yeah, <laughs> the entertainment was awful. The food was bad. Or even worse, if you're on come dine with me, and he keeps popping out to the bathroom to clean the sink after everyone's yeah. used it. It's quite passive aggressive. That's the thing that gets me because it's like when someone else has used it. Yeah, you just think maybe I want the sink to be wet. Right. You important know? question: Does he have like a dedicated sink drying cloth? For yes. This? <laughs> Isn't that deranged? Wow. I mean, has How he does... done that psychopath test? How does he dry that? Well, again, this is like a point of thing because he sort of folds it and hangs it over the washing up. But I'm like, it's not going to dry properly. So then I hang it over the tap so there's more surface area. And it's this like passive aggressive battle of where this cloth's going to be. The joys of married life, eh? How long have yeah. you been married? Two and a half years, but we've been living together for a long time before that, years before that. So, All right, so all you knew about it. I knew about it. I knew about the sink thing when I married him. And that was yeah. in the vows. I was like in spite of and in wetness and in dryness of the sink yeah. <laughs> you learn so much about people when you move in with them they, they, they yeah, have a different set of character flaws or or odd things like people who put stuff on top of the hob they'll wash up clean up and then put a pile of papers or something on top of an oven and it's like i've constantly removed them and they're always back there and go it's a very strange thing to do yeah, i i found out i've been folding socks wrong all my life folding <laughs> socks wrong What's What's the correct way? Apparently, they need to be balled up. I fold no. kind of into each other. I mean, yeah. ultimately, they're socks that are being folded. I think I should be congratulated for just that. It doesn't matter how they're folded, but apparently it does. So I'm not allowed to fold my wife's socks. Not according to the, um, what's the name of the woman who wrote the tidying book that everyone went on about? Marie Kondo. Marie Kondo. Marie Kondo, yeah. And she says just to fold them in half. You don't do it. But she folds them in half and puts them in a drawer. So if you've got all black socks, as I have, you can't tell which one's which because you're just looking at the middle of the sock. Right, so only the middle showing in all of them. Or in, or she just folds them over, and it's not. It's but it's it's sort of like the middle is up rather than the neck. I find that, that whole thing makes me feel so anxious. My husband would love to do a Marie Kondo of our house, but I'm a hoarder. I like having my things. Me around. too. I would I like, like to see a Marie Kondo episode with a Jewish mother. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see her go to a Jewish house. And take on a Jewish mother's <laughs> cleanliness, tidiness, whatever. Look in yeah. the kitchen, declutter. Why have you got this chili powder from 1972? <laughs> you check with your nose, not the date. Yeah. <laughs> she talks to the clothes as well, doesn't she, Marie Kondo? She says to a jumper, she thanks a jumper for its service. I think she was told she was told to do that by a shoe. <laughs> Well, talking of Jewish mothers, I'm a full-on Jewish mother, so I'm always very concerned about what people like to eat and what people think about food. So, uh, Carrie, do you have any particular Jewish food memories or attachments to specific Jewish food? 
There's no Jewish deli anywhere near where I live. And I do like all the Jewish food, actually. So I would do if there was uh, an option, but there isn't. I had a bagel today. I love a Lutka and I, I really don't understand why the hash brown is popular when there's Lutkas. I mean, they're very similar and the, the Lutka wins hands down. But I, I'm not really much into cooking. I'll just eat whatever's going to get me by for the next few minutes. Yeah, until this point in the podcast, I was like, I think we might have the same brain. And as soon as you said that, I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> just absolutely suddenly not. cast aside. Right, anyway, goodbye, everyone. It's been a pleasure talking to you. <laughs> We've fallen out of the fact you don't pronounce it bagel, but that's a separate matter. I do sometimes. My mum, when I was small, told me that the bagel was the one that had the hole in the middle and the bagel was the one that doesn't. But that was nonsense. But I, I kind of believe that, that, that was true bap, for a long time. It? But That's a bap. Yeah, but you get those ones that are sort of like, um, they're more bagel-y. Oh, with, with the um, uh, seeds and, sort of and stuff on them. And, yeah, oh, you're talking switched. about a platzel. Am I? Platzel. Yeah. No, not a pretzel. A pretzel. From no, Indian. I know what you mean. Those with the onions stuff in the middle. Yeah, with the yeah. onions and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah. All I know is uh, you can't get good ones around here anyway. So where this are stuff you? Is of no help to me in Brixton. And you can luckily find like the main um, commercial bagels, bagels or whatever bagels you want to call them in uh, a supermarket. But there's no real place you can go and buy Jewish food around here or sort of like... I feel um, like I need to immediately FedEx you a box of proper bagels. Oh, please do. It's like an emergency. She'll do it. Yeah. Put it out to your listeners. Like if everyone would like to FedEx (laughs) bagels, that'd be really cool. Excellent. And Rose, you mentioned that you've mastered chicken soup, which is, I think, a bold statement. Yeah. Um, As the words left my mouth, I thought... (laughs) you're you're dicing you're dicing there's Um, gonna be a cook-off i'm a massive i like i love cooking i'm a massive cook and so i don't have any particular memories of jewish food because like i said those things were kind of the things that were lost but interestingly my grandmother the only memory she has from when she was you know before her mum died she says Mm. the thing she can remember is the food she can remember eating gefilte fish and cinnamon balls Um, And so it's really nice, like my mum's been making them with her and for her. But yes, chicken soup. I feel like this is why I think that Jewishness is like, it is an inherent thing. I don't have any, you know, traditions or this hasn't been handed down to me, but I just have naturally always made chicken soup. I just had Mm -hmm. this impulse to make it whenever I roast a chicken. I am like, this is getting made into soup, obviously. So yeah, when we roast chickens, I save the bones and I freeze Mm -hmm. them until I've got enough to make a really rich, like nice chicken stock. And then we're talking a bit of the shredded chicken, carrots, chopped quite chunkily, mm-hmm. celery chopped quite chunkily. <laughs> Approval. Um, and then I put in little, little... This is the danger zone. This is what I'm worried about. <laughs> little noodles, like pastas that are small. Oh, I thought you were going to say bacon bits. No, <laughs> never. I would never. I would never. But honestly, it's... Transcendental. Yeah, this, is how much, this is how much. This is. I know. What could I? What could I? What could I the worst thing I could have said. I'll tell you the but worst honest, thing. You can say what Suze Kempner said. Oh. Brussels sprouts. Brussels sprouts. I've listened. No. What was she playing at? Terrible. You can't have green stuff. No, no, no. I don't want parsley at a push, but Brussels sprouts or leeks. Brussels celery. sprouts. Celery. Yeah, yeah, but by the time you cook it, it's not green anymore. It's like no. sort of beige. You want the whole thing to have a sort of beige, yellowy quality. But this is how much of a Jewish sort of inherent instinctive Jewish mother I am, is that as soon as COVID started... I made this massive batch of chicken soup. I've got this like frozen emergency chicken soup for in case we get COVID. I'm like, <laughs> it's just, I know it's there because I know that that's what we need. And you never trying... ever need to do DNA testing, Rose. I'm telling you now. <laughs> Don't bother. 
Yeah, it's a hundred percent. It's just that, and I drove some round to my friend Susie Ruffle. She's a comic as well. Yeah, she she lives near me. She had COVID a while back, and I drove round and dropped her like chicken soup on her doorstep. This is yeah, like you say. Oh, did, did she get better? Yeah, of course. Proof, it's penicillin. Proof. It works. Mm-hmm. Why are we wasting time with this vaccine nonsense? If you know. <laughs> Drive chicken soup round to everyone. Pretty sure someone drove chicken soup round to you when you had COVID. And it was all right. I mean... Oh, dear. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. It's a privilege to be here on the last episode of (laughs) you talking to me. The big fallout. um... Yeah, it's not even the first time he's made that. Actually, Rose, she will be looking for a new co-host quite soon. (laughs) It it sounds like she's quite taken with your chicken soup, so you may you may get the game. We're going to start. Yeah, it's going to be like a side and like an accompanying podcast that's just about chicken soup. I mean, I mean, I I could do that without doubt. I I could do a weekly podcast on chicken soup, but not even repeat myself. It's my favourite subject. It it has just been pointed out to us that the Johnson vaccine, that was an actual thing. So maybe that was your chicken soup. Yeah, just injecting that into people. Put it in a blender (laughs) and it goes. We, I think we've had quite a few mentions of things that could lead to Broguses in this episode already, whether it's chicken soup, how you say bagel or bagel, or whether... Ice cream vendors. <laughs> ice cream also. Uh, whether your 16th cousin twice removed hasn't replied to an email from your bonkers mother in mm. Devon. I've put the bonkers in there, by the way. So oh, no, you are bang <laughs> on the money there. Bang okay, on that's the good. Money. I'd hate for that to be the broigus that kicks everything off. But yeah. sometimes we do hold on to grudges for far too long. We don't always remember why. But we'd love to know if there's something in your lives that you are aware of or that you want to share with us. Kerry, any broiguses? You say broigus because I say broigle. Okay. Um... <laughs> well, you can't say that. The broigus <laughs> is the one with a hole in it. <laughs> Um, no, I tried to f- think whether I've ever had a broidus in my life. And no, I've, all my enemies are dead. <laughs> yeah. I don't fall out with people easily. I can, I can forgive most things, you know, and, and I, I really think adults should be able to solve a thing and talk. Where, where it's been impossible or something's just a situation that can't be saved, then I'll, I'll walk away from it. Or, you know, I've, I've lost friends over years, but I've not got one that I carry on sort of being friends, but with some petty dispute going. So, no, I'd say not at all. I'd say I'm above that. Wow, that's very mature. Yes. Very. As Jews, I'm not sure how we can take that. By the way, I would love... You've been talking about chicken soup, and I would love some chicken soup. I haven't had any for years, but it's probably made by someone who knows what they're doing, you know? I don't live that far from you, so... (laughs) Yeah? Maybe you can get a delivery sometime soon. Cool. Okay. I was was round at Steve Best's house this morning, and he was making chicken soup as well. Really? Yeah. I just realised we've got guests coming for Friday night dinner, and I don't think I've got enough in my freezer for that number of people so i'm very glad we're having this conversation now can you imagine the shame and embarrassment what if i had to yeah. buy ready-made chicken oh, i mean no 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 Rose, this, could you just drop some round to rachel please <laughs> yeah she's got i'll, I'll get my big pan out rose do you have any broiguses that you'd want to oh yeah i'm the opposite i'll, I'll, I'll hold as you dig into your jewish heritage there's got to be something yeah a lot of the broiguses that i've got going on that other people they don't know that they're in it do you know it's like playing out in my head mostly but the one that i can think of that's it's not like an ongoing it's unique because it only emerges once a year but when it does it's spectacular and it Love is it. at new year for the past few years we spent some of the lockdown in devon with my parents and we started this tradition of on on new year's eve having like 
a fancy dinner where everyone took charge of a course each mm -hmm. and my mum got nominated to do the dessert and I basically the first time we did it said I just basically made it be so that she would have to make an elaborate arrangement out of fruit and yeah. it was like you have to do the London skyline in fruit and I said it and she was like, ah, you're joking. And initially I was, but it was so <laughs> funny how angry she got at the idea of having to do this, that then I was like, I just kept on talking about it. And then it just became something that everybody else was expecting, you know, and everyone was like, can't wait to see this fruit arrangement. And now and then she made it and she did it. And she was so annoyed all the way through, was just like protesting the entire time. And I just think the idea of like having to do this really fun, frivolous thing, but being furious about it is so funny that every year in the lead up to New Year, she, she's like and I can tell you what I am not doing I'm not this is the year I'm not <laughs> doing it anymore and we're like what's it going to be this year mum and she keeps on being like oh I'm just going to do the world and it's just going to be a melon and it just is so funny to me and she gets so angry and I, I just I love it every year what's the best yeah. one that she's mm -hmm. ever done she does it with my brother Laurie who I would say does a lot of the heavy lifting and I'll show you a picture on my Instagram. The London skyline was pretty amazing. And maybe we can share it with your uh, your listeners. Yeah, we can definitely um, do that. But the London skyline, I'm just now scrolling through all of my lockdown baking. It won't take me a second to find it, I'm sure. Yeah. Can you see that? I can see that the wheel and excellent. Big Ben. That's Yeah, that is very <laughs> impressive. I mean, it's amazing. It's not a lot of fruit for actual eating. Yeah, it's not a lot of fruit. And also the um, that year was especially funny because when it came to eating it, it turned out they chopped the fruit on a board that had previously been used to chop onions. So it was inedible. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, I know it's not a fruit, but she had a very easy get out. She could have just done the gherkin. She could. Very good. Well, good. if she listens to this, I can tell you what's coming up next year. <laughs> I kind of love I, it. I think it looks excellent. We will, yeah. It looks good. I'll stick to the soup personally, but it does look good. <laughs> well, that, the soup could be the Thames. Yeah. I would love to like prolong this throughout the year. It's. I'm sad that it's only limited to the new, new year period. You should get her to do a festival one. So e each festival, yes. you know, it could be Jewish festival, Christian festival, yes. Diwali, yes. whatever. Yes, yes, yes. Perfect. So we obviously all know each other from being comics and from being on various WhatsApp groups uh, that shall not be named. But if we think about <laughs> the idea of six degrees of can't eat bacon, other than the four of us, who's your most interesting personal Jewish connection? Rose, what about you? So it's all down to uh, my mum's mad genealogy research where she's been looking at the, you know, you can, you can be related to anybody. So basically I texted her to ask and she said that we are distantly related by marriage to Bob Dylan, Joe Biden's daughter-in-law and Keir Starmer's wife. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Quite the trio. Oh, that's a massive collection of connections. That's amazing. Like I said, these when you I think when you looked, you'd be like, arguably, this isn't a connection, probably when you actually looked at it. But she's got the diagram. She can show you. So no, I was going to say when, when Jewish people try and look into their genealogy and um, go onto these sites that, uh, that can look back in your past, they normally find out more than most people because so many countries kept tabs on us all. There's so many records of us all. That, and my mum did say, you know, a lot of the people she found initially were just gone. Just so yeah. many yeah, yeah. where she was just like, not there anymore. Whole, whole branch is gone, which is 
obviously not massively amusing. So I thought I'll tell a Bob Dylan story instead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's the connection to Bob Dylan? What? How many cousins separate? Oh you? God, she didn't tell me, but it'll be something ridiculous. In the message, she was like, "It's very, very distant." I'll see if I can find it. I um, think my cousin, who's done our family tree, has worked out that I'm something like sixteenth cousin of Barbara Streisand, and yet she's oh, still yeah. reluctant to come on due talking to me podcast, despite really? our closeness. Yeah. Wow. That's what is it about sixteenth cousins not replying to emails? <laughs> I know. She hasn't given specifics, which makes me think very tenuously. Right. Right. Still counts. Still counts. Yeah. There, there was a Zimmerman back in your family somewhere. Yes. There was a lovely piece on Twitter. It was about a couple of years ago, but it was a woman who uh, her mother had looked into her past. She joined one of those websites where you have to send in a DNA sample and so on. And then she found out that she had a twin sister. Um, oh, wow. And she started re- vaguely remembering having this sister when she was young. It was a lovely thread because the, the woman writing the thread is going, she's never mentioned this sister before. It doesn't make any sense. And she went around to see her mum who was saying yeah but I'm, I'm going to contact her and so on and and then it turned out that what happened was she joined the site and then forgotten her password so she sent from the <laughs> dna sample and rejoined oh, the site no. and discovered herself <laughs> as, her own, so as her own biological sister. that's that silly, is isn't the it? best story like that that i've ever ever heard it was really a lovely good. thread because the woman writing it was just i don't know how to tell her <laughs> <laughs> she hasn't got a sister. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, what about you, Kerry? Who's your most interesting personal Jewish? Oh, connection? I've got a really good one. Exciting. I've got a really good one. Prepare yourselves. You're building it um, up. I only found this today. I've talked to my sister, but it turns out that I am related to. You want to do a roll on the drums? Some bloke called Victor. <laughs> now I don't know who he is. But he's apparently a famous violinist, but she didn't know anything more about him. And we've never done a family history thing, but she said there's a famous violinist somewhere in America. He's very famous. He's called Victor something. Victor the violinist, it sounds plausible. She said that he played for Hitler. You know, he used to make people play music for him and some particular Jews and so on. But he apparently played violin for Hitler and he's a famous violinist. So someone listening to this might know who this, there's some bloke called Victor anyway, and he plays a violin. (laughs) There might be a few, might be other Victor. I don't know, but I. I mean, it was a common um, name. I don't really know. We, as I said, we've never really checked into her family. I know that I'm the one who keeps turning up places. This isn't just a little side story, but you know, um, Matt Kershen. Yes, yeah, Matt Kershen, show. right? Okay, well, uh, Matt's marriage is coming up, and see, so he was checking through old videos and so on. He he found a video. Of, he posted on a little forum of our friends recently, but it's a video of his bar mitzvah, and the camera pans along him, age thirteen, like years before I would have known him. And then uh, another friend of his, Richard, who I know now, but uh, it's funny seeing them both when they're 13. And the camera pans along, and a few minutes in, there's, there's someone performing close-up magic at a table, and it's me. So what? it turns out, yeah, it turns out I did close-up magic at Mac long before I knew him, you know, as I know him now, but uh, at his mitzvah. But then another friend of mine, who you'll also know, Barry Casanola, mm-hmm. uh, some years ago when he was getting married to now his ex-wife, but she was uh, in a loft going through photographs of herself as a child and found herself at a Pontins holiday camp being mock-strangled for a funny photo by one of the blue coats there. And then she screamed and threw the photo across the room and went, oh my God, that's Carrie. <laughs> so I just... I, I have a way of, I just keep turning up in people's lives at odd times. So I think really, I've, I've heard that Kevin Bacon plays Six Degrees of Carrie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so let's get this the right way around. That's about Matt's bar mitzvah. It's just incredible. Yeah, it's sweet, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, also, a picture of Matt at 13 could be a picture of Matt today. Yes, yeah. it could be. Yes, yeah. He hasn't no. changed a bit. He's kept his youthful look. <laughs> it's um, because I've been around for a long time. <laughs> That's what's going on. That's so weird that you pop up in people's photos. I feel like I now have to go back and check all my photos. Yeah, do. Case, do. You know, I'll be in there somewhere. Too. Yeah. yeah. But I think I'm older than you, so it'd be really spooky, wouldn't it? <laughs> We love phrases that we hear in Judaism all the time. Thinking about Duolingo, are there words or phrases in the Yiddish, Jewish, Israeli, Hebrew lexicon? Yep. I've got Team one. Russia. Go for it. I've, I've got one. If you're ready for it, you won't even know it. Are you ready? Oigavo ishki bishkinosh nishnosh. Now, it's not actually Yiddish. It took me years to realise that occasionally my dad would talk Yiddish that he was making up. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't actually know any Yiddish. Uh, I think he might know a few words and stuff. But he didn't talk Yiddish, but he would just suddenly get into a, a in a in a rant. He would throw in something like "Oy gavol ishki bishki nish nosh nish." That one has always stayed with me. But there were quite a few of them. But also, I I kind of like that one. It's got a nice feel to it. I did catch myself recently doing a double oi, and I've I've never said oi in my life. But I was I can't remember what it was some news story on Twitter, and I reacted with oi, and it really took me by surprise. So and I, and I was so surprised that I had said oi that I then said oi again to my own oi. I kind of had an oi to my oi. So I, it, it was kind of like a moment of a double oi, like oi, oi. You know, <laughs> it wasn't so close together. It sounded Cockney. It wasn't like oi, oi. You know, it was, it was still two Yiddish oi's that came with a, a shrug. I don't, I don't know whether I don't know whether as you get older, a Jewish person just starts shrugging and they, you know. Can't help it. You do. You do get a lot of Jewish hospitals. You know, they have they have a ward of um, old Jews who shrug too hard, <laughs> damage necks, shoulders, and so on. No, it's real. That's common. That's fact. That's mm-hmm. fact. Definitely proven. <laughs> was it a joyful thing? Was it an anger? Was it frustration? Um, more of an exasperation. <laughs> it's hard to say it without a level of frustration. You have to. Uh, you have to put some effort into it. I would love you to record that as a ringtone. <laughs> years ago i decided you know when you could um, program in the tunes you wanted you actually had to type in the, the notes and you could oh, make yeah the tunes. so oh, i, yeah, I programmed yeah. in so i could pick up the phone and go hello mum." and when she <laughs> found out she, she was so cross that <laughs> that was her ringtone oh, that's funny yeah. it was funny. i had one that had the phantom of the opera theme tune just weirdly randomly programmed as one of its theme tunes but and it was so stressful because if you forgot to put it in silent in the night you'd be asleep and you'd just get woken up with of course that, that would have been the music of the night so it's fine yes yes, yes. rose <laughs> how about you do you have a favorite <laughs> jewish phrase you want to share with us really far less of a story far less exciting and inventive than Carrie's. I just simply like the word tush. Love saying it. It's a good word. It's such a good word. It's so satisfying to say. Get your tushy in it. Love it. (laughs) It is a good word. I think all words around that are good. Like tuchus is also a great word. Yeah. Yeah, Tuchus is a good word as well. They say what they are. They mean what they say. Tush. We love it. Big, big fans of Tush. <laughs> yeah. Careful, careful, Philip. Careful. The word. <laughs> 
Well, that's nearly all we've got time for. But how will our audience know what you're up to if you never call, you don't write? Normally, we'd allocate 20 seconds to do this, but for you, 30. Rose, where can our audience find you and what are you up to? They can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Rose Jono, which is Rose, spelled the traditional way, and then Jono, J-O-H-N-N-O. I also have my own podcast called Birthday Girls House Party with two of my comedy friends, Beauty and Camille. Each episode, we have a different themed party and it's very silly and fun. So if you want something silly and fun to take your mind off the hell escape of this country come and listen to our <laughs> podcast and i'm also i've just recorded an episode for the latest series of hypothetical on dave so you can watch me on there when that comes out excellent Very nice. lovely we will tune in and carrie how about you where can our audience um well no nothing you? particular i've, I've cancelled all festivals this year i'm not going to do edinburgh i was off to australia but have decided against mostly because i've got to move house and that's going to just make life too messy so there's nothing show-wise coming up i am on twitter at carrie marks i'm on instagram carrie dot marks carey is spelled c-a-r-e-y pronounced carey as in carey in the community obviously i've had to explain <laughs> this to people quite a lot uh mark is in groucho you will now look up carey groucho um and uh this is how i de-advertise myself and um we are going to get back to doing a podcast we were doing some while ago but i'm not going to mention that just yet because i'm not quite sure what's happening with that and there's a twitch show called Chess with Comedians that I started with uh, comedian Nick Doody. He's still putting up a few episodes with himself and someone else for now because I've been a bit too busy to be doing that. But there's bits of fun in it, but it's really quite intense for chess players because Nick's um, extremely good. He's an expert. He's one of these people who can just he'll reel off chess moves, 20 advanced, they're 20 in and, uh, and all the uh, different variations. And the best I can do is try and keep up with him. I saw years ago, I walked into a room where Nick was watching, uh, he was staring at his screen and there was a voice going um d5 b4 a5 c4 d7 a8 e9 all this for ages and then suddenly he burst out laughing <laughs> like, one of those <laughs> one of those numbers and letters together was hilarious so uh, he's on a, <laughs> what I'm saying is he's, on, he's on a different planet but anyway there, there is that chess with comedians is worth watching even you know whether i'm on it or whether it's nick doing on some of his ones they're very informative excellent but apart from that nothing well i've absolutely loved this and from now on i'll always think of rose as the jew whose chicken soup met my approval the first one ever on the show and carrie is the jew who might suddenly appear as a pallbearer in a photo of your great great uncle's funeral very likely <laughs> as my grandfather used to say i loved seeing your smiling faces arrive and i'll love seeing your little tuchuses leave which is a good thing hey. as we come to the end of this week's show <laughs> all that's left for us to do is thank our brilliant guests rose johnson and carrie marks Follow them on social media. Follow us on social media at you talking without the G. Don't forget to subscribe, like and share the show with everyone you know. And join us next time on You Talking to Me. You Talking to Me was hosted by me, Philip Simon. And me, Rachel Krieger. It was produced by Russell Balkin and judged by our mothers. By the way, I saw you on Eating With My Ex. God, yeah. That's like the maddest job that I've done. I've never done anything that's like that kind of reality TV before where they're just like, just have a normal conversation. You're like, well, now I can't like even <laughs> Be like move my hand in a normal way, you know. Uh, amazingly enough, like, I didn't see Carrie as the waiter coming in at the back. Not this time. You didn't look closely enough. That's what our lives are going to be now from now on. I'm getting out all my old photos literally now. Were you ever in Wales in 1992? Very possibly. Been everywhere. <laughs>